Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Here's what we did last week. We entered this new, uh, new series called God of the Underdogs. And we looked at last week how Jesus is the greatest underdog of all. There's no greater underdog than Christ. Now here's the, here's the kicker with starting with that. That in this whole series is like the last message we should be looking at. And so we're going to go backwards a little bit. So stay with me. I know we still got music thumping here a little bit, but just stay with me. Stay focused. Don't let, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to let the enemy distract from what God wants to do in our hearts this morning, okay? So just, just stay focused with me, all right? If I have to get my drama voice on and get rid of the mic and shout it out, we'll do that. But stay with me. Um, there, this, this is the week I want to talk about this. There's underdog excuses that we use towards God. We'll come up to God or maybe you're getting ready to have kids and you're like, no, we can't have kids yet because fill in the blank. Because why? And many times the reason I hear people say they can't have kids is because finances. Well, God, we don't have enough finances yet, so we can't do X, Y, Z. And I think God wants to say, He wants us to see ourselves the way He sees us, not the way anyone else does. And so what I want to do is I want to focus in on one of those underdog excuses this morning. And that's this, that's this, is that we say oftentimes, well, if you only knew my past, if you only knew what what I did before, if you only knew my past, well, God can't use me this much, you know, God can't use me like that. And I've heard people that'll come in, they'll give their lives to Christ, and next week we're talking and we're like... Time to get involved, man. And I'm just pumped and excited. And they're looking at me like, I'm not ready for that. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are ready for that. And they're going, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know the Bible well enough. Okay, well, who of us does know it well enough? We use these excuses not to do what God is calling us to do. Um, just, just so I know, because I still hear it, is that distracting anyone out there? Is it okay? You guys are good? Okay, you're good. Awesome. So here's what I want to do. Open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 26. Thanks. We're going to camp out there this morning. Um, Acts chapter 26. And as you're turning there, I want to talk about a guy who's basically another underdog biblically. And he did just some phenomenal things with an incredible past that was so tinted that we never even thought he would do anything amazing. And the things that he did were just insane. Just insane. And so here we go. It's Acts chapter 26, verse 4. If you're with me this morning, say yeah. One more time. If you're with me, say yeah. Here we go. Acts 26, verse 4. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of religion living as a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? Well, a Pharisee is one that knew the law so well, they would come in and they'd be like the guy at church that you're like afraid of. Okay, we, hopefully we don't have anybody like that here. But it's like the guy that you know you did something wrong and you're going, I, I can't talk to him away. I got to run away from him because I don't want to be by him. He's the guy that's always going, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Are you following all the rules? Are you following all the ways? Some of our churches are like that today where it's not about a relationship with Jesus, but it's about a to-do list and a to-don't list. Okay, I checked it off. I think I'm okay. I think I'm going to make it into heaven. What a way to live. What about just knowing confidently that if I know Jesus, I will have eternal life. 
That's what I want. I want to know confidence. I don't want to have a guessing game, get up there and be like, well, there's that line that's going, woo, and there's that line that's going, ah, and I don't know which line to stand in. Well, God confidently, through Jesus Christ, has given us that answer, okay? Now, Paul, we're talking about Paul here in Acts chapter 26. Huge underdog. Huge underdog. Incredible. His past was so tainted, he makes a lot of us look like saints, okay? Like, seriously, Paul, he was, he was persecuting Christians. He hated us. He hated us. He would kill some of us. He would stone some of us. He threw insults at us. He said, you're not doing it this way. You're not doing it that way. You're following a whole new way and it shouldn't be this way. And everybody, everybody was like, I'm so scared of Paul. I don't want to be around Paul at all. Well, Paul had a life-altering encounter. A life-altering encounter. History of Paul is this. He grew up in a home of a Pharisee, a Jewish household. And so he had this tradition of being a Jew. His dad was a Jew. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He calls him a Pharisee of all Pharisees. Essentially, what that is saying is it's a basic, it's an insult to Jesus, who was the king of kings. Is what it's, it's a play on those words, that he was a Pharisee to all the Pharisees. Okay? He was that rule follower. Now, come on, somebody. Who's the person that likes to break the rules with me? Where are you? Come on. How many here, on the way here, you didn't wear a seatbelt this morning? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. How many of you didn't put your babies in the car seat? There's no, none of you. All right. Huh? Don't you ever just want to just like, just, just rebel? Come on. You know you do. You know you do. I've driven with some of you. God knocks Paul down to get his attention. And at this time, his name is actually Saul. God knocks Saul down to gain his attention. And sometimes us scholars and pastors, you'll hear him, well, God changed Saul's name to Paul. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. In fact, Paul's the one who changes his name because of his family heritage. God doesn't do it. Paul was a, was a Christian name where Saul was a Jewish name. And he said, I no longer want to represent myself with my past. I want to move on from my past. I'm no longer going to let that get me down but I'm going to change my future and who I am, even knowing where I came from. He had a life-altering encounter. I shared a little bit last week. My life-altering encounter was when I was 17 years of age, walked into a church, and I got to this point. And man, could I play church so well. I'd show up. Everybody thought everything was good. I'd chat. I'd talk. It looked like, man, it was, nothing was wrong at all. Some of you were good at that. No, and, and I'm like, I, I was just fine. And, and I remember just playing church like I just showed up because I had to and finally I brought my wife to this youth service and while we're at this youth service I was like I'm sick of playing church I I don't like going in fact I hate going I don't want to do this anymore with my life and so I just asked I'm like God here's the deal God I said if you are real I want you to show me if you're real show me and if you do I'll follow you the rest of my life but if you don't show me I'm walking out these church doors and I'm never coming back a scary prayer and God showed up manifested his power showed me things in a, in a fantastic way you know I realized he, he showed me stuff about myself he loved me he met me where I was at I was vulnerable with him he was vulnerable with me and I started a relationship with Jesus but I got to the place where I had to get smacked something big had to happen for me to gain God's attention let me say this um, for him to gain my attention have you had that life altering encounter with Jesus yet. You had that. Have you had that? Because oftentimes it's really easy. It's a lot easier 
to give God attention now, okay, before he has to do something drastic like that to get our attention. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let's read on here in Acts chapter 26, verse 12. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus, this is Paul, with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa and I was on the road, and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing all around me and my, co- and my companions. Here it is, verse 14. I love this. We fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. What does that mean? We'll talk about that. Verse 15, then I asked, who are you, Lord? Isn't that beautiful? I just love, who are you, Lord? Who's this that's talking to me? See, God's speaking all the time. We're just not always listening. But he's always speaking. He's always trying to communicate or download something to us all the time. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I love that. I love so what does it mean to kick against the goads? What does that mean? Well, here's an ox goad right here. This is what it looks like. It's eight or nine feet long. It has a spear type, you know, shaft at the end, super long. And what it was is the plow holder would use it to keep the oxen on the straight and narrow. He would use it or she would use it, you know, basically to, so they wouldn't go from left to right. And so they would stay on the path they were meant to go. And so what Jesus was saying to Paul is, hey, how long are you going to try persecuting the church? How long are you going to go against it rather than just accepting the fact that you're called as an apostle to lead the early church. Paul was like, no, he could have easily said, my past is too bad. You can't use me because of it. But he didn't. This weapon, huge, capable even of being a spear, could inflict inflict deadly wounds at a pinch. And it was held firmly in the hand of that plowman. If the animal was rebellious, it was used to get him right back on track there's two truths to this metaphor that Jesus used. And by the way, just a little side note here. I don't know about you, but do you find it cool that Jesus, during his day, used the metaphors of that day to communicate? I love that. If he was here today, he would use metaphors of our day, okay? That's awesome. He's relevant. It's the same message. The method just changes, and Jesus used, you know, different method to communicate the same message. Here's two truths from it. First is this. One is the utter futility of our lives that are spent in opposing the divine will of God. If we're trying to always oppose the divine will of God, it's, ow, ow, I'm getting poked, I'm getting poked. It would say that even the oxen eventually, they'd kick up their heels and they would start bleeding from their hoofs in pain and then they had to keep going and farming. Nobody wants that. And so we try to oppose the will of God when God's saying, I've got the perfect will for your life, just follow me. The second is this, is that self-inflicted harm comes from resisting those pricks of God's rebukes. Okay, God will try to gently get our attention. He'll try gently, and if we don't, he'll try a little harder. And we might say, well, how mean is that God? Well, he's not mean. If he wouldn't try to get our attention, then he'd be cruel. But he's trying to gain our attention. Then I love what Jesus says. Paul, get up! Get up! He says, get up! He didn't let Paul stay on the ground in condemnation and guilt. He could have just stayed there like, oh my gosh, I screwed up so royally, I can't do it. But Jesus says, no, get up! Get out of your shame, get out of your condemnation. Some of us know what that feels like, and it's awful, the feeling of shame and condemnation. I'll never forget, I was in first grade, 
And my first grade teacher, whom I've really chosen to forget her name, um, I don't, seriously, I don't even remember, thank you, Jesus, because she was not my, she was like that teacher that's like, what are you doing? Go do something you love. You don't like kids, man. And I went to the, the school over in Ham Lake, elementary, first grade, and we had like the old school playgrounds, you know, that weren't five feet of rubber, you know, I'm talking like either cement or wood chips, you know, like if you fall, you die, essentially. And, and we had huge wood chips. I mean, like they were like size of stumps out there, man, they were huge. And, and my buddies, for whatever reason, first graders, they have this thing and this knack for showing girls how they like them. They throw things at girls. Makes sense, right? So they'd, they'd pick up these wood chips and they'd go over to these girls they like and they would just chuck them at these girls and be like, I'm just showing you that I love you. You know, like, you're first grade. What are you doing? And they'd chase them around on the, on the playground and all this. And I remember sitting there watching them do this and they're chucking these these huge wood chips, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'll, I'll chase the girls around. I did that, truth be told. But I didn't throw wood chips, okay? Never did it. Never picked one up. And out comes Mrs. So-and-so, and seriously, I don't remember her name, and she came out, and she picks up a giant wood chip. Remember, first grader, okay? And she, you know, I'm six or seven, and she takes this wood chip, and she grabs my palm. She probably would have been fired for this today. And she takes the wood chip, and she starts jamming it, spearing it into my palm, going, that's why you're not supposed to throw these things. People can get hurt. I'm in tears like, yeah, lady, I'm hurt, you know? Like, and I'm sitting here going, you know, not today, the school district would probably get sued for something like that, you know? And, and I'm going, are you kidding me? And I remember sitting there and I just had this like, this shame and this condemnation. I didn't even do it. And I was going, I feel awful, I feel awful. And I think what happens is when we do those things, whether it's something we should have never done, whether it's something nobody even knows about, we get down on ourselves. We, we, we let that hold us like chains. And so where are you letting guilt and shame keep you down? Let's read on here, verse 16. Jesus says again, I'm going to repeat this verse. Now get up and stand on your feet. Not only get up, but stand to your feet. Let go of the shame and condemnation. Then he goes on, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. You see, Paul knew who Jesus said he was. Paul knew who Paul was because he knew who Jesus said Paul was. Do you know who you are this morning in the eyes of Christ? Do you know that? Do you know that? You see, when Paul saw Jesus, he knew who he was in light of Jesus. Not any other labels anyone had ever put on him. He simply knew who he was through Christ, through Christ. A few years ago, before we planted the church, one of the things that we had to go through, um, we had to go through this assessment time, and it was, it was painful, man, sitting eight hours with a psychological counselor. Oh my gosh, no thank you. Don't plant a church, man, unless you, unless you want to, let me know. But it, I was like, this is awful. Well, we got to sit down with the lady, her name's Carol Lund, some of you might know Carol, she runs the... Uh, the women's ministry for the Assemblies of God, and, and she collects all these pastors, and we get together, and all these pastors are in one room together at North Central University downtown. And I'm there, and she says, we want to do a personality trait test. And I'm going, yay, <laughs> that's wonderful news. And she says, well, I, there's going to be, and she had four, you, you probably know some of these, it's from the DISC assessment. She had water, fire, earth, and wind. Sounds like a band. And uh, I said, okay, and she said, the fire... Those are the pastors that are like just intense and, and they're like, man, it's my way or the highway and everything's going to be this way and they don't even realize there's people in the congregation. 
okay, well, that's probably not me. And then she goes to the water. She's like, the water, they're the faithful, the golden retriever. You know, they're the S and the disc assessment. They're the ones that are faithful through and through. And I said, I, I think that's me. And then she kept going, and then there was earth, and, and the earth was more contemplative. You know, you're thinking it through. That's more my wife. And then she got to the end, and that was the wind. And the wind is, everybody has somebody they work with that's like the fun guy, you know, or the fun gal. That just, you, you just want to hang out with them because they're just funny. That's the, that's the eye in disc. Or in this case, the wind. Well, she had all of us separate in different corners of the room. And we did this publicly. And it was a little disheartening at first because the majority of pastors in that room, I don't remember how many, majority of them went over to the fire group, like the domineering, dominant personality. And here I am going, I'm a water. I'm a water. I'm like the faithful guy. Love people, love hanging out with people, want to do life with people, relational. And, and there was two of us, and we go over, just two of us out of, 50 to 100 pastors, I don't remember. And we go and we stand here. And I have to tell you, we look at our label in Jesus, but I'm going, I want to plant an Assembly of God church. And I don't know that I have it in me. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that. All these other pastors are that. And I was like devastated. You, you have no idea how devastated I was that day. Eight hours of this. And I'm sitting here going, well, this, this must not be it. This must not be what God wants. And Carol Lund, God bless her soul. She's awesome. Carol Lund goes, she says, well, obviously... We have enough of this personality in the church right now. And she looks over to me and the other water guy. We're the water boys, I guess. She looks over and she says, the church needs personalities like you guys today. And it was like, I wanted to like jump up and like go jump and like just give her a big hug. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And so here's the deal. It's like whatever your personality is like, it doesn't matter. Don't let, don't let those labels get on you. It could have easily happened to Paul. His dad was probably ticked, would have been ticked. His family was upset. He's going from being a devout Pharisee to a born again, born anew, something totally different, Christian. Totally changed, totally changed. So let me ask you this morning, are you believing who God says you are more than who man says you are? Are you believing that? Last one is this, it's the same verse. Now get up and stand up on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. See, Paul was appointed and he was chosen. He was appointed and he was chosen. God had a plan for Paul. God had a plan for him. We just did this baby dedication this morning for both of these, for Gordy and Henry. And I don't know if you believe this or not, but I believe even before they were an idea in mom and dad's mind, God had a destined plan for their lives, a destined purpose, something they're called to live out. Guess what? If you're 60 years old today and you're here, that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. If you're 80 years old, that hasn't changed. If you're going, well, I'm in high school, man. The brain's like disconnected for a little bit. It still hasn't changed, okay? It'll reconnect. Don't worry, I have one at home. It'll get there, I think. Paul was appointed and he was chosen. You're appointed and chosen. Do you believe that God has a plan that he is appointed and chosen for you? Not the person we nudge next to us, but for you. For you. What's the plan he's chosen? Let me close with this. You see, Paul's pain from his past, all the stuff he went through, that became his platform. It became his platform that he utilized. I remember feeling like just down. And maybe you felt super down before. One time that I felt super down was we, I was a Boy Scout. Grew up scouting, loved it, enjoyed it. 
had a blast with it. And one of the things we would do is called the Klondike Derby. Anyone know what the Klondike Derby is? For those of you that have kids and scouts or weren't scouts, you know what it is. This is a, a winter event. And here I was. I didn't grow up in the church. And so I was the kid you didn't want your kids hanging out with. Okay? That, I was that kid. Some of you are like, there's no way. Oh, just look at my yearbook sometime. You'll see. And uh, don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, you, you'll be appalled. Seriously. And here I am at this Klondike Derby. We've got our sled. We're getting ready to race. We have to divvy up teams. And so one guy, our scout leader, says, I'm going to take this team over here, and I'm going to take that team. He says, you go here, you go there, so on, whatever. Well, one team walks down, and here we are. It's winter. We're over at Rum River Scout Camp in Ramsey. I'm in my, you know, snowmobile suit. You can't even tell that it's me. And I walk down to where we've got the Klondike sled ready to go with my team. And I get there, and the, the scout leader, the guy I looked up to, looked around. Got, got to remember, I wasn't a great influence, so I probably even had this coming at the time. But he looks around at all of us in the eyes, and he says, man, I'm so glad that Chris Vincent kid isn't with us. I wanted to die, man. I just wanted to die. I thought, wow, wow. I wanted, I wanted to leave. I didn't want to be there. He, you know, I call that foot and mouth disease. He had it. And I had to get to a point where I had to forgive him. I had to get in a point where I didn't let that get me down. I had to realize that as Christians, forgiveness isn't optional. You know, forgive right away. Have you surrendered your past to God or are you still trying to deny it or minimize it? Let me close with these five real quick thoughts, okay? Number one, our darkest hour can become God's tool if we surrender it. Your darkest hour can become God's tool if you surrender it. Number two, as a mortal, you are limited. But as a child of God, you are unlimited. You have no limits with what God can do with that purpose that he's called you. Oh, I'm off track. Who cares? Get back on track. There's grace for that. Third, let your past help mold you but never define you where you're at. Four, if you hear people speak of your past, remember this. They are speaking of a person they no longer know. You're new. You're a new creation in Christ. And the last one I want to say is this. The enemy, whether you want to call him the devil, whether you want to call him Satan, or just I'll call him the enemy. The enemy knows your name and he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin and calls you by your name. He calls you by your name. That is the God in whom we serve. So let me close with this challenge this morning for you. Where do you need to surrender your past to God so he can use it for his glory and for others' benefit? Where do you have to do that? I don't know. Maybe that's surrendering to Christ for the first time. There's a reason you're here right now today. There is. There's purpose in it. Well, I just came for a baby dedication. Well, that's how God got you here. Well, I just came because I got to church every Sunday. Maybe today's that day something completely transforms. Maybe something in your character changes. If you're waiting for your circumstance to change, God's not about that. He's not in the circumstance changing. He's in the character building. And that's what he wants. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. 
If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.